Hey guys, just a quick heads up that this is the interview taken from the full The Gym Session podcast. So if you'd like to listen to the complete episode, you can find it on the Footy Live app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Buzzsprout. If you're enjoying the content, don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and share. If you're not, try to do it anyway so I can keep my job. Uh, that's all from me. Enjoy the interview and do all that stuff I said before so I can get my job. Razor Ray! Oh, he's a star, isn't he? You can't hold him down. <laughs> I don't think it's gone, right? Holy oh, Jesus. Yeah, the rules, mate. I didn't write the book. I've just read it, all right? You need to calm down. Blood rule. Thank you. Just relax. I'll give you the last word, mate, if you could throw it back to Haim up in the commentary box, please. Haim, saw you before the game, mate. Hair's looking magnificent as always. Well played, sir. (laughs) Okay, today's guest is one of the biggest characters of our great game of Aussie Rules football. With a warm personality, an ability to relate to others, and a confident persona, this man has added a profile in theatre to the art of umpiring never before seen. His commitment to officiating has seen him notch up over 350 AFL games, 29 finals, and three grand finals since his debut back in 2004. Off the field, he's a motivational speaker, mortgage broker, business owner, and a great bloke. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome the one and only Mr. Razor Ray Chamberlain to the gym session. Welcome, Ray. Hey, James. Thank you. That's a, that's a heavy intro. I'm nervous now. <laughs> nervous. No, well, just to make you feel at home, mate, I'll give you this. Boom. Oh, that's better. Now you that's feel better? Yeah, how, no, how does that feel, mate? Every week you're, you're, you're hated by people disliked. How do you deal with that? It's bizarre. Yeah. Um, it, it's a good question, um, depending on how heavy you want to get. Yeah. Um, there's lots of ways of looking at it, right? So what did Kobe say? No one hates on good, right? They only, they only hate on great. And then the other, <laughs> the other side of it also is, you know, if, you're not, if you don't have any haters, you're probably not doing anything. There's a little bit of that to yeah, it. Yeah, that's true, yeah. And then if, you know, we just sort of narrow it down to sport, and I love sport you know, all things sport hmm. um, and always have ever since I was just a kid, you know, whether it was athletics, cricket, footy, soccer, touch rugby, like whatever it was, like I was into it, I, you know, tennis. I, was, I loved it, swimming. Um, I just loved participating and competing in sport. And uh, and so then, you know, I follow teams, um, you know, whether that be in the NRL or the NFL or whatever. And so, you know, you're watching games and I'm – Joe Public, I, I'm just yeah. got my fan head on and I'm going off and, <laughs> you know, so I'm the same. So what I understand yeah. that, and I don't uh, I don't have any hate or vitriol towards any individual. So mm. what I understand that the vast majority of people share that same energy. So yeah. um, what I, 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 so I've grown to understand and contextualise actually what that noise is. And quite frankly, over the last two years, James, I've sorely missed it. Not so much the directed <laughs> yeah. energy at an individual in a weird green shirt, but yeah. rather, but rather what makes elite sports so fabulous. And that that's the masses. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I miss that so much. Mm, I can imagine. It's a great perspective you have, but I was interested in you personally because you have a huge profile. Even the other day, you're on the TV and I said to my missus, Oh, I'm interviewing this bloke next week. And she goes, Oh, isn't that the guy you yell at every week? I said, no, 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 only when Richmond's playing. But no, it just proves, you know why it seems like it's you is because you're Razor Ray. So every time you pop up, we'll say, oh, come on, Razor, what are you doing? The other umpires don't have that profile. So it seems like we pick on you more. How do you deal with that profile? Because it used to affect you a little bit more, didn't it? 
Yeah, very much so. And when I was younger, um, I remember I'd never done any media or anything. It wasn't something yeah. that I sought out. I, I wanted nothing to do with that. I just yeah. earnestly, desperately wanted to umpire well. I wanted to be really good at what I did. Mm. Um, and I remember it was 2007, and I remember this vividly. Yeah. And Jeff Geeshan, who was my boss's boss at the time, he was in a me to do some of this stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to do anything to do with it, mate. Like, I'm not up for it. And he he was really good. I really, I really respect and um admire Jeff for many, many reasons. And he's a really supportive man um and worked very hard for us. Um and he said, look, mate, they're gonna be talking regardless, right? So at least this way you get to at least put your spin on it, your yeah. view on it. Um, and basically said, I'm doing it. You're doing it, right? So <laughs> <laughs> that talk went well. Yeah. So it was St Kilda played Collingwood at the MCG and it was the 7th of the 7th, 2007, right? Uh, yeah. So I do this interview on Triple M and I yep. knew, you know, that what that was going to be and I dropped a silly line. I said something along the lines of, you know, potentially that the dingo had taken the wrong chamberlain. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they lost it. And, <laughs> Gary um, Lyon lost it especially. I he, yeah. I, he lost it. And and I was just being me, right? And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it was that type of thing. And and so essentially with these things too, James, um, you know, A, uh, you can't take the cordial out of the water, right? So, so once something's rolling, you know, kind of that's it. But in advance of that, I had not had any say in it. And I don't think it's that big a deal. See, and I'm going in a really long-winded way of answering your question. That's right? good. I like this. But we'll, good. but we'll get there. Yeah. So back in the day, right, umpiring, are you familiar with Braveheart? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So William Wallace rolls into town, okay, and he's going to see Robert the Bruce. Yeah. Right, and he lobs up. And he gets off his horse. He ties it up and lobs in. He comes into Robert's place, and uh, Robert the Bruce's old man. Do you remember him? He's like got leprosy or something. He's got yeah, yeah. Head hanging off, and he's tucked behind yeah. a curtain. That's umpiring, yeah. right? <laughs> that was that was umpiring in yeah. AFL football, right? Where Robert the Bruce's old man mm-hmm. behind the curtain. Yep, yeah, we got to feed it. It's here, but we really don't want it in front yeah. of house, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I and and that's fine. And that's our view. And then over my 20 years in sport and Australian rules football, I think we can all appreciate that it's changed. The world's changed. Content, access, entertainment, advertising dollars, et cetera, et cetera. In addition to that, participation rates are through the roof. Mm-hmm. See, AFLW and girls' participation at community level just exponentially growing, and it's fantastic for the game, yep. and it's fantastic for um, sport and communities in general. But then what happens, James, is that a greater emphasis and need falls upon an area that was already losing and has been for 150 years, and that is our levels of officials mm. and our retention of officials. So if we all start with the premise, James, that we love the game, okay, let's make that assumption. How often do you hear that? Oh, I just love it. I love the game, mate. Yeah, okay. What well, I don't. Yeah, exactly. Well, my colleagues don't love the game. Imagine how much you must love the game to front up and be an umpire. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And just cop it from everyone, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so for 150 years, we haven't been able to recruit enough and retain enough. And we've put them behind the curtain and treated them like Robert the Bruce's old man. Yeah. I reckon we might need to do something a little different. Yeah. So when it comes to me and your initial question, originally that focus that came on me, I didn't seek it. Um, and then I had two years out of the game, or it was a year and a half, where I had a knee injury. And I didn't think I, they sort of didn't think I'd come back and be able to umpire AFL footy. And what became really clear to me is despite all that noise and whatever, I desperately missed the game and I really loved it. So I made a decision that when I came back, rather than trying to fight it and ignore it, I would embrace it. I would try and find the positive in it and I would try and use it um, for good for my brethren, umpiring in general, and in any other way that I could. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially been the journey around that. Yeah, no, that, that's a good explanation. That profile you're saying, because you you fronting up, it makes you more relatable um, and, and you kind of, like you said before, they were behind the curtain. Now you're, you're front of mind, you're in front of the camera. Does that attract more umpires to the game at a lower level as well because of that? Because you you speaking out about these things and going around doing the motivational speaking as well? We'll be back after a quick break. indirectly I think the game itself is awesome and umpiring is great like if you can get rid of just some of the negative connotation that relates to what comes with umpiring and we're just talking about negative feedback or whatever and particularly in junior sport right we're talking about community level sporting okay where we're not playing for the farm all right if you're able to remove that for young people in particular it's a fantastic thing to be a part of, you know, just in terms of communication and trust, responsibility, fitness, bit of cash in the pocket, leadership, um, making decision, um, that t- those types of um, traits and qualities that it develops in an individual um, is uh, empathy for others, trying to understand and, and deal with different personalities. It's a really cool thing to be a part of. Um, so I think attracting umpires and people to have a go historically hasn't been the main challenge for mm. officiating. Retention's always been the most difficult. Yeah. And, and, and just like anything now, there's so many options with um, everything online and you know, blah, blah, all the same things that every industry faces. But I hope it does. I hope it helps. Um, because ultimately, when you finish, and I'm so desperately close to finishing so everyone can relax, it's just about done, um, you want to have left it better than when you came. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Whatever, hey. that, might, whatever that might be, yeah? Yeah. yeah. 
the umpires that you umpire with, what what does a um, day-to-day look like? Because so many people are, are interested in what happens during the week. So you've got your training, obviously, at Carlton. I know you train there. But, like, the types of jobs they're in, who are these people? I know you've said before, yeah, we're all a bit of a – we're a bit weird. We're weirdos, the umpires. What what kind of jobs are you guys in and what does a, a day-to-day look like for you in a, in a week, Razor? Yeah, okay. Well, for, if I spoke more generally and then I'll speak about my week. Mm. Generally speaking, um, there's uh, either a degree of leadership or a degree of high-level education that um, permeates through our AFL list, okay? So we've got teachers, we've got lawyers, IT specialists, uh, professionals in network, accountants, Mm -hmm. um, all those sorts of things, okay? And then we also have... um, more trade orientated guys, and they're like they run all the people at the golf course. Like they're they're the boss. Right? Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like they're in yeah, positions yeah. of responsibility yeah. where they're trusted. Yeah. I think they're, they're that type of person. Um, in, as a generalisation, mm-hmm. um, and they are, and we are quite broad. But everyone's got another job or doing something or studying full time. There's no one that just umpires and does nothing else. But I don't think that's uh, particularly healthy um, at all, and I don't think it underpins elite performance. So um, for me personally, I, um, I've got a couple of things I do. I have a mortgage broking business, which I've had for nearly 16 years, 17 mm-hmm. years, and I've uh, got a great team. Um, so Mondays are full on. You know, we're, uh, we're trying to clean up what happened and then obviously you've got stuff from the weekend where people have successfully bought at auction or, mm-hmm. or what have you. And so, right, oh, it's all systems go. And we have our, uh, our, major, our major collaborative meeting on, on, a, on a Monday afternoon um, is when we hook into that. So we give everyone an opportunity to come back and just see where the dust has settled after the weekend. Mm-hmm. For me, from footy perspective, I've reviewed my game by then. So I've gone back over my game. I've got to watch that. We have to log onto an online platform and provide our individual feedback that goes to our coaches. So is that the whole game you're watching every decision? Yeah. 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 Uh, and then, you know, it's not just about, um, you know, um, warranted free kick or missed free kick or you paid one that you shouldn't have. There's, mm. there's, um, there's system behind everything we do. So, you know, clubs will talk about their stoppage structure or yeah. their structure behind the ball or how they transition the footy out of D50 or connect from one area of the ground to the other. Now, we have similar sciences that underpin what we do collaboratively on the ground, right? So, you know, you've got 36 players on the field at any given time in a dynamic, fluid game with subjective laws and we're meant to be able to see every angle at every opportunity, right? Impossible. Yeah. But we do have a system where the three umpires are meant to work together. So, James, I could do something on field with my running pattern that tells you, hey, I'm, I'm intending to do this. Yeah. So you adjust accordingly, right? But then I don't fulfill my role, okay? I don't do what I'm meant to do. And it leaves you hanging out to dry, and then there's this free kick error, and it looks like it's your fault. Yeah. But really, it's my poor behaviour, okay, that contributed to you being left hung out to dry. So, you know, we win together and we lose together, right, as an umpiring team, more so now than ever. Mm. Probably since about 2017, 2018, you cannot umpire an AFL game on your own anymore. Yeah. 
you just can't. Hey, what, so, sorry, Ray, I don't want to interrupt you, but what does uh, a win? What does a win look like for you guys? Yeah, well, <laughs> a win looks like us just getting the job done, yeah. right? which is you know an accurate implementation of the laws of the game um, and handling circumstances they present. I mean, really, the thing about being an umpire is you, you're just a witness. Okay, so you can't do anything other than respond to what transpires in front of you. Mm. So if you snot a bloke, well, I've got to report you, all right? (laughs) If you don't, there is no need for me to do anything, right? So really that's that's all we're doing is responding to what transpires in front of us. And then there's all the layers underneath that um, where we have to take our own personality type, um, our own mindset and strengths and weaknesses and manage individuals. So whether that be... Charlie Dixon versus, you know, somebody else who will have a different personality type, we then need to, you know, respond accordingly to make that work the best way we can. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, so that's on a Monday. So we put all that feedback in and that goes in. And then you'll then, once that lands, you'll receive the coach's feedback. So they want to hear what you think about you before they start telling you about what they reckon, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I think is great. Yep. You'll have a read over that. You'll check some stuff. They'll have some bits and pieces that you might need to look at that you didn't identify or you might not necessarily agree or you need another look at. And then you book in a time and and, uh, and we go through it together okay. as in, on your individual performance. Mm-hmm. And then out of COVID, when we get to actually be together, we'll also do that as a three, so as a team. Okay, because of what I spoke about before about those system-based bits and pieces that underpin an elite performance um, from an officiating perspective at AFL level. And then we've got this wider overarching group coaching that we do, and that's every Tuesday. And that at the moment's via Zoom, has been now for a while. Yeah, yeah. And it goes for about an hour and a half, two hours. And that's all all things, decisions. It's we get guest speakers in. Um, et cetera, et cetera. But then throughout the week, um, I don't have it here in front of me, um, but we've got the old GPS yeah, and we've got all our physical preparation that we need to undertake. Okay. So how many Ks do you have to do in preparation per week? Yeah, so again, like anything, it varies on the periodization. So if it's pre-season, we're getting flogged and, and sessions can be up to like as ridiculous as 10 to 13 Ks in volume of any running in one particular session. So we have these heaven and hell sessions, which yeah. just uh, so suck. And then um, oh, mate, I hate those. I'm just going, mate, I'm too old for this. Get rid <laughs> of the your, witch's hats. That's your strength though, isn't it? Running? Running was always your strength. Yeah, it was, right? And then I got yeah. old. Um, <laughs> so, no, running is on-field running is definitely, that's my wheelhouse. And yeah. Then, um, And then you have, and then in season now, you know, different individuals have different markers. So I know the strength and conditioning team know that if I run a certain amount of Ks in a certain zone, right, if I go beyond that, I get injured. Okay. So I'll be in a session flying, feeling great, and Mm. all of a sudden I get the hook, whoosh, you're off. What? They go, no, 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 you're done. But I'm feeling great. Yeah, we don't care. You won't be next week. Uh, You're done, right? So there's a lot of science and that's from historical data and mapping those things and digging into it. Um, And I've found my last three years, touch wood, um, 
I, ha- I haven't had a serious injury mm-hmm. that's just not age related, you know, um, in the last three years where I had a period of time there, mate, where like 2017, I, I didn't think I'd go get past it. Like I had tendon problems and it was just horrible. So, um, so that's that's what a week looks like for us. There's also yeah. things like, you know, guys will get their own osteo and yeah. all those sorts of things. And then different guys have got different levels of skill practice they'll do. So blokes like me who aren't great, say, at bouncing, yeah, I'll have an extra skill session in there where I'll be going and practicing that, whereas okay. there are some guys who are phenomenal at it, and so they don't have to worry about that, but maybe they're doing more work around the decision-making. Or, okay. Things that you know, maybe I don't need to worry about so much because I'm good at that, you know. Yeah. So that's a week, and then you've got travel, and of course you've got your family. Remember them? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you know, so it's a, it's a it's a it's a full diary. Yeah. Uh, it's a full diary, but I, I very much enjoy it. Yeah, that's full on. A lot of people have said that they think umpiring standards would be better if they went to full time. I think Alistair Clarkson suggested that. You do a lot already and you you talked about balance there. You don't think it would uh, make officiating better if it was a full-time gig and that's all you did? So I get I get a bit narky when people who have never been and observed our program make a comment about it. Yeah. So I'm not saying that they're right or wrong, right? Hey, well, like I'm open. Mm-hmm. Let's discuss. What I'm saying is if you haven't been there and you haven't seen it and you actually don't know for yourself what transpires, potentially keep your opinion to yourself. Yep. So every umpire who's been elite, and I'll talk about the guys who I believe are elite and what we've done over the last decade. You'd have um, Simon Merritt is an elite AFL umpire. Matt Stevick is an elite AFL umpire. Brett Rosebury is an elite AFL umpire. Sean Ryan, who is a barrister, okay, is an elite AFL umpire. So what I can tell you about those people um, is that even though if you were to look at a person, you know, and you go, look, it should go family, vocational pursuit, football, in that order, right? It doesn't. Yeah. Right? Footy comes first. Mm. And then everything else falls in around that. What are my footy commitments? What do I need to get done to be the best I can be at that? Terrific. When does it fit into my week? Terrific. What space is left? Discuss. Yeah. So what they're saying is, though, and there's, uh, you know, what I, or what I, actually, what I um, believe they're trying to say is that are we putting enough time and energy and resources into AFL umpiring? to support elite performance. Now, full-time isn't elite, James. I mm. worked as a school teacher for a period of time when I was young. Yeah. They were full-time. Yeah. And on staff, we had a wide array of yeah. uh, pedagogical prowess, okay, right? So there were some teachers that were the grouse yeah. and there were some teachers that were no good. Mm. They were all full-time. So we, I don't think people want full-time, James. Yeah. I think what people want is elite. Mm-hmm. They're not the same thing. So if you don't know what we're doing and you don't know the people involved and you don't know the inputs, don't make comment about it. Come along and have a look and help. Help support. Show us the way. No problem. Different. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good point. I like that, Ray. Hey, I want to go back to how you started. Now, you started by chance, and this is an interesting story. So you just you you went along to watch your brother play, 
you watch him play, 45 minutes in, a scout comes up to you and says, oh, you're pretty good at this, Ray. Yeah. <laughs> my mum, my I come home one day and mum was, um, was upset, which is not normal in the yeah. Chamberlain household. And I sort of said, oh, you, you know, what's up? And mum had been at a conference all week. Mum worked in the public service and at this point she was with the Department of Health. And they had this course all week which was um, empathetically entitled Youth Suicide. Okay, and she said every single slide all week has been your brother. Yeah, and she was right. Right on reflection, my yeah. mum was right. Yeah, is that your and young, young, younger brother? Is it Brian? My youngest brother, Brian. Yeah, Brian, and yeah. Uh, and Brian's great, mate. Got a good job, young yeah. family, killing yeah. it. He's fine, but he was having a shitty time there as a young yeah. teen. Yeah, and you know, you look at it now, and the hair was everywhere, and the clothes, and the disengaging with school, sport, community. Dad's mm. garden hose progressively getting shorter. Not quite understanding <laughs> how that was happening, right? <laughs> Whatever the case may be, there are a few signs, James. Yeah. Right? <laughs> And um, anyway, so she said, you need to take an interest in him. Yeah. And I was 17. He was 12. So we had, a, you know, we're in different phases. Yeah. So she said, go and watch him play footy. So I turned up. No umpire turned up. And the president of the club said, Ray, we'll fill your car with petrol. We won't let anyone hang any shit on you if you umpire the game. <laughs> so I'm like, Okay. I go back and see mum and say, you still give me 20 bucks for petrol? Yeah. <laughs> she goes, I'm fucking that. <laughs> Commerce kids. Yeah. Um, and then I, um, yeah, and so I umpired the game. And this fella, Bob Stacey, I, I still know Bob now. He, yeah. uh, he lives in Coolangatta now, Bob. And um, he come up and introduced himself and just said, uh, you know, ask me how long you've been doing this for. And I sort of said, 45 minutes, Bob. But he said, mate. <laughs> You got to remember this is 25 years ago. He goes, you can earn six figures part time doing this. So Bob had my attention. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, it kind of went from there. Yeah, brilliant. Because you were a pizza delivery driver, weren't you back then? Or? <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> at school and uh, and I was working for Eagle Boys. Yeah, Eagle, Eagle Boys, Boys pizzas, pink t shirt, mate. It was <laughs> it was, it was crook. <laughs> hey, it takes all kinds, I think. To and you've said it yourself to become an umpire. Do you think you being the older brother? At home, um, you know, you were kind of in control then. You've had that 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 personality to officiate or or um, or be an umpire. Do you think that helped? And also, I want you to tell me this story about um, the fight you had at home, and then you created a hole in the wall. And this is one of the greatest <laughs> cover up stories of all time. Yeah. All right. So the, to the first point, yeah, I the first point. I've yeah. never thought of it like that before, and it's an interesting. Um, it's an interesting perspective, and I think potentially, yes, there's, there were levels of those parts of responsibility. We grew up in a time where, you know, Dad had three jobs at once, Mum was working full-time, yeah. we were all just primary school kids, you'd come home after school, far out, I was responsible for the two younger ones. Um, you, know, I, you know, I remember cooking hamburgers for you know after school snacks and stabbing a knife through my hand and doing stupid stuff where you know we're too young but that's how it was back then right like that's just that's just how it how it had to be so potentially yeah that that potentially assisted you know in and in terms of undertaking that role i'll say this so so this day yeah younger brothers um my brother middle brother peter's like he's just short of two years younger than me. Mm. Um, 
different sort of build to myself. He's a he's a more solidly built lad, and uh, and he's a lefty. And um, yeah. anyway, we um, we had we <laughs> we had some unwritten rules right in the yeah. house. So three boys, we punched on a bit, and that was fine. But you could hit each other as hard as you like, but no headshots. No headshots. Like, you weren't yeah. allowed to punch in the face. Yeah. So we threw down this one day and um, anyway, he's drawn the left back and so I've seen it coming and just sort of tucked up to where this punch mm. and he's chinned me like he's punched me in the face, right, and cut my lip and I'm like, <laughs> and I looked at him and the look on his face and I said, oh, you're cooked, right, <laughs> and I chased him and he turned and ran, right, and I'm hammering out the hallway mm. after him and I grabbed him and we'll go a million miles and now we've just gone back straight <laughs> through this, straight through the wall. We've missed any sort of, you know, beam, bang, bang, yeah. Big hole. And we're like, oh man, and dad drove trucks and, you know, dad would go off his nut first <laughs> and ask questions later. And yeah, so yeah. we're like, we are in so much trouble. Yeah, yeah. So we started brainstorming how we might fix this in the, you know, two hours we had before dad was going to be home. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we run next door and spoke to the neighbours and said, listen, we are in so much trouble. Yeah. What what can we do? And uh, the lady next door was a legend. And she goes, all right. She goes, my husband bought me this. I don't like it anyway. Yeah. So she had this, this framed print. <laughs> yeah. She goes, I don't like it anyway. You'd be doing me a favour. This is our secret, boys. Yeah. So she comes in and she hangs it over this hole, right? So, and we how high said, was the hole though? How, mate, mate? It was like head height, and this thing was like a big, like long, yeah, print, right? And it covered it like it was built for it. It was <laughs> extraordinary. And Dad, yeah. mate, as if he like he never backed or did anything yeah, like yeah. that. He just walked in, walked out. You know, mm-hmm. like he was working all the time. The poor bugger. Yeah. So it sat there for 15 years, right, <laughs> in the family house. I can't house. believe it was 15 years. Not, not, not a word spoken. <laughs> anyway, we leave. I'm in Sydney. The boys have left. And mum and dad have sold their house. They're retiring. And they go, dad takes this thing off the wall. It's fucking big hole here, right? Like his phone has lit up. <laughs> Who is responsible for this? <laughs> Mate, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, best ever. That is so good. I can't believe 15 years that took Mate. so. So that you just said, oh, the neighbour gave me a, gave us the frame. We thought, oh, it'd look good in the house. Yeah, and she stuck up for us. She goes, look, you know, Bob's <laughs> giving me this. It's, I, I don't rate it, but the boys love the look of it, and they said it'll look great in your hallway. So you know, no dramas. Yeah, that's so good, mate. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that was in, by the way, that was in Canberra and you eventually moved to Sydney. Um, yeah. You get the the AFL gig. Your, your official debut, I think, 2004, round 15, Hawthorne v. West Coast. What Rex. do you remember about that day, your debut? Yeah, so it was a um, beautiful day down there and I remember, um, and things have changed now, but I umpired with Brett Allen, who's one of our Hall of Famer type guys, right? He's the GOAT. And a guy named Kieran Nichols, who was a former police officer, a really lovely fellow, Kieran. And um, they were very experienced. And Hawthorne were just prior to them 
coming back into being, you know, Clarko and, you know, from Schwabby to Clarko yep. and those guys topping, that was sort of where they were at. And West Coast were the grouse, right? They had the, the rock stars in the middle and were just mm-hmm. unbelievable. Anyway, this game ends up only being one kick, six points, eight point game, right? We ended up being a really close game. But they, um, I remember we went for a walk in the morning, got a coffee, and then BA said, come on, we'll walk to the ground. Right, you know, because you, I was a big toey and all that. Yeah. And my be- and one of my very very best friends, uh, Simon Meredith, was um was on the bench. Yeah. Um, and we roomed together, and uh, I remember we so we walked down to the ground. I just remember um, my brother made the effort uh, to planes, trains, and automobiles to get mm-hmm. down there to see the game. Uh, my cousin uh, met us in Melbourne after the game, um, so he come down from Canberra and to celebrate. Um. I remember Spider Everett and uh, Dean Cox in the ruck. That was hilarious. Yeah. Some exchanges there. <laughs> I remember it, that was that was quite interesting. I learned yeah. a bit there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it was just it was just a really unbelievable day. They were so supportive, and mm-hmm. then um, people in my life were really like were just really happy. Yeah, that's awesome. Did the, you said you're nervous? Then did the nerves get easier every game, or you still get nervous walking out there as an ump even these days? It varies. I, yeah. I um, if my body's well, right, yeah. and I'm able to physically do the things that um, that I know I'm meant to do, I'm pretty comfortable and confident about what's happening. You've got that performance anxiety where you mm. want to do well, um, but I have faith in. Hey, I've done the work. I've hydrated. I've rested. I've eaten well, and um, and I and I and I'm confident. I'll give great effort. Yep. So then it'll be what it'll be, hmm. right? Like there's not, I couldn't have done anything else to prepare. And then I'm trying my guts out. I'm a human being. It'll be what it'll be. And yeah. more often than not, over 350 games, despite popular opinion, done it okay, yeah. right? So, you know, I, I feel okay about it. But when um, you have things, and this happens more and more, mate, as we get further along, right? You get, um, in, you get inhibited by certain things that are a little bit beyond your control, and that's when I get a bit more oh, far out. I don't yeah, know yeah. about today. This is yeah. going to be a, this going to be a challenge. So, um, but I was real nervous for a long time. I'd, I'd vom all the oh, time, yeah? every week. It was horrible. I had to oh, change when sure. I ate, what I ate. Um, yeah. So all of that was just anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. was the most nervous you ever got your first grand final, two thousand and ten? Did you vomit before that game? Well, this is the this is the crazy thing, right? I remember it's a massive week. It's enormous, right? Um, whether it's grand final parades, functions, media, you get like literally hundreds and hundreds of text messages and emails and calls from people who are just yeah. you haven't seen since you were five. <laughs> you know, your footy coach, Mr. Manucci from WA, has sent an email to the umpires association and. So you either ignore people, or which I think is crap, or you um, connect, respond, yep. show gratitude because those people are so happy, and they've played a part in your life, right? Mm-hmm. And that's but that's fatiguing as well. Yeah, that takes a lot be, out of you, right? Yeah. And I remember coming home on the Friday after the parade, and I was absolutely knackered, absolutely knackered. I just come home, spoke to wife for a bit. Mum and dad were there. I said, listen. We'll do this after the game. Yeah. I've got to go to bed, man. Mm. <laughs> I'm knackered, right? So I hit the hay and 
did not budge all night. Wife coming to see me in the morning and sort of said, oh, how are you feeling? Yeah. He's right, because a bit like you, she knew I'd get a bit toey about it. Yeah. I go, no, nah, I feel great. Yeah. Sunny day, it was warm. And she goes, okay, you, you can tell me the truth. Like, yeah, I act <laughs> like a tough guy. Yeah. Me. I said, I'm serious. I, I cannot wait for this. Yeah. But I do remember we're walking up to go out on the ground and you're sort of down and you come up the race, right? Mm. And you can see the top of um, the stands. And normally it's empty, right? Yeah. Right up the back there. But he, they were falling out of the back, right? And I was like, Jesus, there's a, <laughs> there's a few in here today. And you walk out and it's like, wow. But, um, yeah, I, it was funny. The first game, I, I so Brett Rosebury took the first bounce. Yeah. Yeah. And it was Collingwood St. Kilda's in the drawer. Mm-hmm. And Collingwood get a centre bounce ball clearance and Jolly roars forward. Yeah. Right? Ball spills over and he kicks to the goal and it's like 22 seconds. So I, I'd gone into an end zone, just find your feet, relax, get into the game slowly, you know, 22 seconds. I'm standing in the middle of the ground with a hand grenade in my hands, got to bounce the ball in front of 105,000 yeah. people in MCG, right? And uh, thankfully it went up straight. Yeah, and yeah. I spent like seven, eight, nine, ten minutes in the mid zone. We, you do more than three and you're in trouble. Yeah. And I couldn't get out. And I'm hearing around. And so it was a good, like I, I was away. Yeah. Yep. You're immersed in it. Yep. Had a blowout and away you go. So no, I, that, that day wasn't a, wasn't a nervy day. That day was yeah. like, I got this day. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. No, I like that. that. And then you obviously had the replay and then you had 2019 uh, grand final as well. So you had three grand finals. Um, umpiring changed a bit though, didn't it? Because at the start, you obviously didn't have the mics. So now you, you're wearing that uh, uh, the vest underneath with the mic on it. Can I ask at the start, was it true that some players you were told, like maybe Heard or Buckley or Voss, hey, you, you don't speak to them? They kind of speak to you type thing? I think with anything in life, there's hierarchy. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that people don't have the same rights and you get one vote in a federal election and I get one vote in a federal election. So it's not about that. But there's there's obvious regard that you have to afford different people in different parts of your life, okay? Mm-hmm. And it was made really clear to me, um, hey, listen, Harvey, Heard, Boss, Buckley, like, yeah. stay out of their face, right? Just <laughs> yeah. just pay for a kick and shut your face. Yeah. And uh, and if they've got something to say, they'll let you know, right? Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and that was fine. And so that was cool. And then everything else, you sort of figured it out as you went along yeah. with your personal relationships um and 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 they were like they were the kings no, no doubt about that um and they just got on playing that was the other thing mm-hmm. you didn't need to tell them or say anything to them like they are the ones being tagged they are the ones being targeted you know what i mean you didn't need to be saying anything to them you just needed to make sure you were applying the laws of the game but it was a different time yeah so you know you're either a doormat or a doorman there wasn't a lot of middle ground <laughs> so yeah the banter was pretty full on yeah, I could imagine. Who who'd you have the best relationship with as a player? Yeah, I, I knew some guys who I grew up with. Yeah. So like Justin Blumfield and Craig oh. Bolton and Aaron Hamill. Yep. They came from where I lived. And mm-hmm. so there was a there was a, you know, it wasn't like we're best mates, but you know, there was that sort of, hey mate, you know, we're, we're kind of neighbors. We grew up together. We played with each other and against one another. So that was all fine. Um 
but I, I always got along um, well. There were always characters for every, different teams. I remember Ben Hudson as an example, right? Mm. The people's beard. Yeah. Like, he was my favourite, always <laughs> was. He's such a good guy. I remember he played a game uh, in a final in the VFL for Werribee, and he never got, whilst he was gruff and intimidating in that, he wasn't a violent guy or anything. Yeah. But this one day, from it was like from nowhere, and he's just opened up like a Swiss army knife, and he's just charging blokes. And I was going, what's happened to this guy, you know? <laughs> and uh, But he was always a ripper and, and, and obviously had a really, uh, really impressive career. Mm-hmm. And so I always enjoyed his banter. He was more having having a crack at other blokes and he'd include you in it. Yeah. You know, oh, right, so what's this bloke got in his hair? And he <laughs> gets stuck into him. You know, there's going to be a million people and you've got your hair like that. You know? <laughs> Just this sort of garbage all day. And it was, um, he was a ripper. So lots of, lots of good players from every club. Yeah. They all had a character or a personality in there that you'd resonate with, you know? Yeah, you, you once said that your worst call you made was uh, against Mark Murphy. Um, is that still your, your worst? <laughs> yeah, I, I had some howlers. I, I tell you what, um, that's that would have been like that was bad because I, I just remember looking back going because just the context of it all, you know, like mm. it was my first Friday night game, and back then that meant something. Yeah. So Friday night's the biggest viewing audience, and um, to the games were kind of put into tiers, yeah? So you'd have the big dogs that were playing at the top of the table. Yeah. You'd have another marquee game and a Friday night, and then you'd have the other games. Yeah. And depending on how you were going, that's where you were appointed as an umpire, you know, on your ranking. It was very clear where you sat. A little bit different nowadays. It's a bit chuklotto, and then Mm. you throw COVID in, and, you know, there's no – it's just like, oh, you're in Queensland – you're doing a Queensland game. You're in Perth, so you pass the quarantine. You, you do the derby. You know what I mean. So yeah. all things have evolved. But it was my first Friday night game, and I was umpiring with Darren Goldspink. And Darren was a pretty serious kind of guy, and I remember him just ripping into me before the game. You know, these guys don't like each other. Ah, uh, just pay free kicks. Don't take any shit. Yeah. I remember thinking, God, this guy needs a sedative. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't think anyone's going to have a shiv. We'll be okay. We'll <laughs> be fine. But uh, yeah, and and of course, you know, his point was be on. We can't if you miss something because you're not intentional and mindful. Mm. It creates a problem for us in these types of games. Yeah, and he's yeah. right, you know. And of course, I I missed. <laughs> I missed this obvious clunk in the head. But um, yeah, Murph went berserk, and he was only very young. Yeah. You know, we're both very young in our careers, so he would have been 18. And he never got upset at umpires, and he ripped into me because it yeah. was so bad. And I just said to him, mate, you've got to move on. You've yeah. got to move on. You know, I got it wrong. So he, he moved on eventually, didn't he? Didn't he come up? Yeah, here? no, it took him a couple of years. I think it was the year after we were on a flight together, and I paid him a few free kicks. And that, he'd been targeted by the yeah. court. And I was chained, I was undoing my shoe or something. Yeah. And he tapped me on the shoulder and I looked up and he literally, I'm ready to move on. <laughs> Hilarious. That's so, right. yeah, good. But great, like, can I say, like, what an unbelievable career. Yeah. How loyal um, and just in his way, like that's a really proud club with incredible tradition and where he sits, games played, et cetera, captaining the club. Um, wow, he it's what an amazing effort. Like, just that's brilliant. 
Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I wanted to ask you on that. So I know I know you have to go soon as well. You're a busy man, Ray. But I want to ask you, you know, from a player's perspective, what motivates them a lot of the time is, um, you know, a grand final or a premiership or even the accolades. You know, a brown level, that sort of thing. What motivates you as an umpire? Now I know umpiring a grand final is is the biggest thing for you, but what motivates you on a on a week to week basis where you get up and go, I want to do this this job. I want to achieve this. What what is it for you? Yeah, that's a great that's I think that's a fantastic question because I think that's a question you need to ask yourself and, and every every day to be honest. Mm. Um and it, it's changed, James. So initially I desperately wanted to umpire an AFL game and I wasn't convinced they were gonna give me the opportunity. I came from New South Wales ACT and I came to the big VFL and I was the out of I was the out-of-town guy. Mm-hmm. And to give you some historical context, there's been 64 guys, and it's, they've all been men. There's um, there's been 64 guys in the history of the game afforded the privilege of umpiring a VFL AFL grand final. Mm. Okay, so over 150, 160 years, whatever it is, 64 only have done it. Okay, and um, when I was on the VFL list, of that list of umpires that were there, there have been eight out of that list. Have been have umpired an AFL grand final, so it's a pretty handy. Yeah. It's a pretty handy state league list, right? Yep. And we were all young, upstart, cheeky buggers, um, and we coached really well in mm. the best state league competition in the country at the time, is what we would argue. So back then, it was about wanting wanting to get a game and and be, get the opportunity to umpire in the AFL. I remember going to an Anzac Day game. And the VFL, you get these passes that get you into general admission. You can't do this anymore. And you just go up and you buzz it and you get you in. It didn't give you a seat, though. And, of course, in a game like Anzac Day, it's all sold out. So there's yeah. no free general tickets. And so I spoke to this guy um, who was, had the coffee cart. I said, oh, can I sit on your, on the crate there, stand yeah. on the crate to watch the game if I buy coffee off you all day? Yeah. He goes, knock yourself out, mate. No, no drama. <laughs> This was the first big game that I'd been with the MCG and it was yeah. Anzac Day. Yeah. I just remember thinking, and I'd left home and left all my friends, jobs, everything to come and pursue this thing. And I just remember going, man, I want to do that so bad. I, I, I want to be out there. This is so awesome. And uh, so that motivated me to start mm. with. Yeah. And then you make the AFL and you desperately just don't want to get the arse. So, so, you know, that's motivating you. And I think, you know, I'm a competitive guy. I told yeah. you right from the start, I love sport. But it's not just competition, it's camaraderie. Yep. Yeah, like being part of something. We are all weirdos in, in our group. We, we're all on different parts of the spectrum. But I can tell you this about my colleagues. We don't all agree on all things. And, I, and thank God we don't. What, what a boring, lame environment that would be. And... um. But what I can say about all of them is that I could go wallet, keys, phone, kid, I'll be back in 45 minutes and I wouldn't bat an eyelid. Like that's the type of people they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't know anywhere else in my world that I could honestly say that. I'd be intrigued to know if you've got a place in your world that you could honestly say that, Mm. right? So they're the type of people that you're dealing with. And I just feel so lucky that I get to be involved with them. Yep. They're misunderstood, grossly misrepresented and misunderstood as people. And um, it's the thing that keeps me coming back at 44, 45 years of age 
uh, is that. When I toe the line and I've got to do heaven and hell sessions and get all this sort of stuff, it's because I, I want to be a, I don't want to get butchered out on the ground. The game deserves better, the players deserve better, and the fans deserve better. They'll argue about my free kicks and all that crap all the time, right? And that's fine. And that's the subjective nature of the laws. Mm. It's why we get 100,000 people at the games, James. Yeah. So 50,000 people will cry ball, right, when we get rid of COVID. Yeah. And 50,000 will call back, right? And some Derek in the middle of the ground in a green shirt will call play on, right? And then 100,000 people, James, come together to agree on one thing, right? And that's why I've got no idea. <laughs> but it's why we get 100,000 in yeah. the CG. And yeah. it's the best. Yeah. Right? So they'll, they'll blow up about right, wrong, or indifferent. But the players and the game demand the best of me. And that's what motivates me leading in every week to make sure I have hydrated. I have got my sleep. I have ticked off my, my training. I've done all of those things. So, yeah, it used to be grand finals and finals mm-hmm. and Anzac days. I still desperately want to have a crack at those. And if afforded yep. the opportunity and the privilege, I'd be most grateful and give my best self. But I also understand it's not the 100 metres umpiring James. Mm. And what I mean by that, mate, is that we've got a range of uh, older guys and then these younger guys who are coming up now proving that potentially they're good enough to hold that spot. Yeah. So righto fossils out of the way. It's our turn okay. now. You know, they're, they're bashing that way down and they need to be given opportunity at some stage. Mm. And it's coming like right now, mate. Okay. okay. So for older guys like me, that then starts to become, okay, how do I feel about that? And how can I still be a good person and contribute and help, but put my ego aside and understand that I'm still valued and needed, but it's might not just be in this role anymore. Yeah. And being able to see all that. But with the 100 metres, James, you know, you get athlete A, we'll call him the same bolt, right? So everyone wants to be, you know, he's the grouse. And then you've got athlete B, and we won't put a name on it, but let's say it's a renowned drug cheat, right? And so everyone's going for this bloke over here, and the gun goes, and they race. But old mate over here, he breaks the tape first. We all want him to win, but he doesn't get there, right? Yeah. The gold medal goes to the bloke that no one wants no one likes, no one's going for, because he ran the 100 metres the fastest. That's not umpiring, right? Yeah. right? yeah. you got certain standards you've got to hit for sure, but then it's very subjective, mm. okay? And, 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 um, and there's so many different subjective things that go into the selection around that. And some days you're the hammer and some days you're the nail, and that's actually part of being an official within this team environment where we don't win or lose. That's for the players. Yeah. And yet we've got our own little thing going on. And it's a really interesting dynamic. Yeah. So probably the greatest challenge in elite officiating is being the best version of yourself when shit doesn't go your way. Mm. Right? Like that's really hard. We can all be the most giving, gracious, happy-go-lucky guy when you're getting the licks of the ice cream, right? But how do you treat people when you're getting a kick in the ass? Mm. And so, and so that's I think yeah. that's really key. And 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 um, you learn a lot of lessons about life and yourself uh, in this gig. Um, and uh, and which I'm grateful for. Mm. You know, I'm really grateful for. Bloody hell! What an insight. Right. Hey, let's end off with ten quick questions, mate. Go. All right. Bang. Favorite food. 
quick. <laughs> no, no, no. I love Indian. Indian. Yep, good. Movie. Favourite movie. We got Point Break. Point Break. Yeah. Okay. We'll get him when he comes back in. We'll get him when he comes back in. <laughs> <laughs> if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? I think New York or Paris. Ooh, very nice. Uh, what's your biggest fear? So, here I'm old now, right? I, I don't want to let my daughter be That's a good one. In whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Yep. What makes you angry? Yeah, when people don't give effort. So I don't mind failing, you know, in terms of coming up short or whatever. But if you aren't up front or you don't have a dig, I can't cop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the same. Favourite current player? Favourite current player? Oh, man. Lance Franklin takes some beating. Yeah, and your parents love him as well, don't they? Mum, if I don't say Frankie, Mum will do one. (laughs) Um, And yet, you know, I love, you know, I love, I loved Nick Smith. You remember Nick Smith from Sweden? From Sydney, yeah. Yeah. Oh, mate, now I know he's not a current player, but mate, how good was he? Yeah. Who beat him? He was was No one beat him. Mm. Like, and he never sucked up or anything. It was, it was so underrated. Nick Smith, yeah. He, the grouse, Nick Smith. Nick Smith. I love, I, I love, I seriously had a man crush on Nick Smith. <laughs> Nick Legit. Smith. I, I am unashamed yeah. Nick Smith fan club. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that. That's good. Uh, who's your favourite player of all time then? Mm-hmm. Not just current, of all time. I think, um, I think Cyril. Cyril, I, yeah. I just, and, and Gaz. I remember, I remember Gary Ablett. Um, he he did this thing in the grand final against Hawthorne in two thousand and eight. I was behind the goals with my cousin. He was a mad Hawthorne supporter, so I got him tickets, right? And um, I remember Chance Bateman and someone else tried to kill Gary Ablett at, yeah. at this contest, and by all he should have been squashed. And he zigged and he zagged and he did and he went and he looked and he come out the other side with the ball, and I was just like. Sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, like, unbelievable. Gaz was the man and Cyril next level. Yeah, brilliant. Um, if you could officiate any other sport in the world, what would it be? Yeah, I wanted to. Um, I got challenged by a mate. He said, go to the NRL. NRL, yeah. He goes, do it. He goes, do state of origin, like, do a grand final. This is after 2010. Yeah. And because he knows I've got a rugby league background and passion. Yep, yep. He goes, mate, you could do, you could do that till you're 60. He goes, you don't run anywhere. He goes, mate, you just go, do, do, do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, try. Uh, and uh, but I reckon um yeah, I, I think I think that'd be the one. Do it doing a state of origin or a state grand of origin would be good. Yeah, nice. Uh which player, past or present, gave you the most lip? Oh, peerless, Peter Bell. Peter Bell. Yeah. <laughs> you have to think. <laughs> the most competitive human being in the history of the world. Really? And I don't know much about Peter other than off-field from afar. He's yeah. just been so incredibly successful and obviously educated and leadership and just had, you know, on-field, like captain of a footy club, players association president, premiership player. Like, can you get any more decorated? I'm not sure you can, yeah. right? Like, but, like, 
God, would he ride like a beaten favourite? <laughs> really? Oh, oh, yeah. No idea. There yeah. you go. All right, last one. You're a big Paul Kelly fan. What is your favourite Paul Kelly song of all time? Deeper Water, I would say. And it wasn't until I started getting a bit older and then you understand exactly what he's saying. You go, my man. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. I love it. Razor, you're an absolute champion, mate. I cannot thank you enough for coming on today. You've given a huge insight, hopefully inspired a lot of people. I really appreciate you, mate. You're a champion. Hey, James, thanks very much for the opportunity. Um, I really appreciate that, mate. Congrats on the gig. Thank you, mate. I appreciate it. Brilliant. Thanks, Razor. Bye. Let's move forward now. The